0: I think you probably noticed the theme of joy in those various hymns that we just sang. And Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, we generally do uh, have a, a theme that we're going with with our songs, and so uh, thankful for the joy. And did you notice there's joy in serving Jesus when we're drawing upon His power? You know, there can be great lament, there can be great frustration when we try to do it on our own. Try to serve the Lord on our own. So maybe you say, well, I don't have joy in serving the Lord. Well, maybe it's because you're trying to do it all on your inner self and in your own person. So there's joy in serving the Lord when we rest and rely upon his power. Would you turn with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of First Samuel? First Samuel chapter 22. We're ultimately going to end in Psalm 34. We've been in a brief series of messages. Three. Uh, For me, that is a very brief series, Uh, but on facing our fears, and we have been studying the life of David in this point in time, and the psalm that David wrote when he was facing some of the fears that he had in his life. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So I'm thankful if you face a fear of man, there is an alternative for you. There is an answer for you. And it's to turn from that fearing man, which brings a snare. It actually captures us uh, to putting our trust in the Lord and there finding safety. So I don't know if you recognize it. Sometimes when we're dealing with a fear of man, it is actually very troubling. It can actually enslave us. Uh, we found, find ourselves bound to that person. Maybe we can't even stand humanly. I know as Christians we're not to be that way, uh, but in reality, sometimes we, we're faced with situations like there, uh, like that. Excuse me. And so uh, we want to see tonight moving from that fear of man to having a fear of the Lord. And I want to say there's, that looks different. We'll explain. I'll explain that to you later. I'll give you a little bit of Schweitzerology, if there is such a thing. Uh, I really believe as David wrote Psalm 34, of course, number one, it's after these events have taken place. He kind of is looking back on the events that take place in 1 Samuel but I really believe David also somewhat laments how he handled life when he was afraid. When David became afraid of Saul, then he was afraid of Achish, king of Gath. All the weight was on his shoulders because he was trying to handle it his own way. So when he first became fearful of, of Saul back in 1 Samuel 19, you don't need to turn there, we won't look at anything specific, When he first became afraid of Saul, because he heard Saul was angry, because the women were singing, uh, that Saul had slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands, and because of the pride of Saul, he wanted for David, who was behaving himself wisely according to the Scriptures, he wanted David killed. And so he and Jonathan devised a plan. Part of that plan was getting Jonathan to lie to his father. Now, again, when we try to handle the fear of man in our own wisdom and trying to do it our own way, it often leads to a sinful response. It's enslaving. And so David, instead of trusting in the Lord and seeking the Lord for deliverance from Saul, he comes up with this plan with Jonathan and then tells Jonathan to lie to his father about where David is. And this is a, a time when uh, David had to go forth and worship with his uh with his generation, with his family around him. And that wasn't the truth at all. David was right nearby, just seeing if Saul's heart was turned against him. So again, what ultimately he recognizes, they recognize that Saul's heart is set against David. The arrows are shot out into the field. And it signifies to David, it's time for you to run. My father's not going to let this go. He's going to seek you to kill you. He runs to an unlikely area. We've talked about this in past sermons, but he runs to Achish, king of Gath, which is where Goliath lived and where the Philistines were. This was a Philistine territory. But again, when you're doing things and handling it in your own way, all the weight and responsibility is on your own shoulders. Instead of trusting in the Lord... He's trusting in his own wisdom to get him out of this. So in the midst, they identify, isn't this David, the the one who killed Goliath? And so now he has to come up with some plan to get get to safety from here. And so do you you remember reading the story where he feigns himself mad? allows the spittle to run down his face and and Achish comes to the men. "I, I don't need any more mad men around here. Get him away from me. So again, David had come to handle matters on his own, in his own way, but he really didn't have a solution yet. So he runs again. So it's not like seeking and trusting the Lord and the Lord giving deliverance because he's just doing things his own way. And that's what often happens to us when we uh, live, Uh, in a fear of man without trusting the Lord. So I want to talk to you about moving from a fear of man to having a fear of the Lord. I want to show you what that looks like tonight. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Father, as we bow before you, uh, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to talk to you. Zach's already prayed that you'd help us not to be dull of hearing, that we'd want to hear the word, we would want to apply it to our lives. Father, as you know, there's a, another class going on right now for our young adults, and I just pray you'd help Pastor Bortz and Mrs. Bortz as a minister to them, and, and try to instruct them in the things of the Lord that will help their marriage. Father, as we are here, uh, we want to take your word seriously, and we've worshipped you very seriously Uh, looking at the joy of serving you. But now, Father, help us. Sometimes because of the situations of life, we've been prone to develop a a fear of man that is enslaving. And when we're doing that, we're not trusting in the Lord. And so, Father, help us to recognize instead of fearing man, how we need to trust in you. We need to trust also in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to trust that your spirit, will work in our inner man and give us wisdom and direction and handling matters. And so, Father, I just pray that you would help us to recognize what needs to take place in our lives to release us from the captivity of the fear of man into the beautiful place of fearing you. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge and really the beginning of peace. And so direct in the time that we're going to spend contemplating your word together tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to just take a little bit of time to show you before going over to Psalm 34 where I believe I believe the transition changed from David fearing man to really putting his trust in the Lord and developing a fear of the Lord. In Psalm 34 it says this, I sought the Lord. So it was a point that he sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So there was a point in time where David said, I have enough. I quit. This trying to run from one king and then trying to feign myself mad to another king and, and now I'm in a wilderness hiding in a cave. This isn't the way God wants me to live the, life, the Christian life. And so I believe David really came to himself and, and he sought the Lord. And I want to show you when I believe that happened and that really began to happen in the life of David. So let's look here. Let's look beyond Psalm or 1 Samuel 22, 21 to 22. And let's just go in partway into verse number three, just kind of saving us a little bit of time as we look at the word. He says, if you notice here in 1 Samuel 22, verse 3, partway into the verse, he says, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you. till Look at this. Till I know what God will do for me. David has appeared to kind of come to himself like a prodigal and recognize, all right, I've handled this long enough on my own. So so he says to the king here, Lord, king, will you just allow my parents to be with you while I get a hold of the Lord and seek him out? Now, at the end of verse number four, it says that David was in the hold. Now, there's a couple options of what the hold might be in reference to, but most believe it is in reference to one of the caves where they would hide out. But I really don't believe that David was hiding. Now, this is, again, a little bit of my reading into the Scriptures and trying to put things together. I really believe David went to the hold so he could get alone with the Lord. And I believe David began to seek the Lord as, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? Do you want me to simply just keep running? Do you want me to take matters into my own hands? In fact, if you would, go to the very next chapter with me and look at 1 Samuel 23. Uh, The the Philistines were now attacking Keilah. They're actually robbing from them, attacking them and robbing them. And it says uh, says in verse number three, therefore David inquired of the Lord. And this is a question he has. Lord, while I'm here, I'd really like to help Keilah they're being attacked by the Philistines. Lord, do you want me to help? And again, in verse number four, then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And so David was asking the Lord for direction, and I'm not sure if you've ever seen this story before or remember, but the Lord gave him the freedom to do so and to help the people of Keilah and to deliver them from the hands of the Philistines. So David and his now was really trusting in the Lord for wisdom and guidance instead of handling matters in his own way. So with that in mind, let us go over to Psalm 34. Now again, this is a psalm that he is going to write this time, uh, during this time. And my first point of my message would very simply be the fear of man bringeth a snare. And I've already kind of talked you through point number one. Uh, This was very captivating for David. He didn't have much freedom, didn't have much joy during this time. He was alone for part of the run from Saul and all of his men. Then he was joined by those that were discontent and those who were in debt and uh, those who were struggling in life. What a band of warriors he had on his side. So David now was finally joined with people, but there were people who didn't have much really to offer him, but but moral support and, and loyalty, and that's what they offered David. But David wasn't going to trust in those men. David had finally determined, I'm going to trust in the Lord. So in Psalm 34, he moves from this fear of man that bringeth a snare to the fear of the Lord that bringeth deliverance. David mentions in verse number four, the verse I referenced earlier, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. Again, I believe David somewhat lamented how he had handled life over the last number of months. I believe David regrets of the getting Jonathan to tell a lie. I think David regrets of having to feign himself man. What am I doing? Here I am, the uh, the man of God that God has chosen to be the next leader of Israel, and here I am living a lying, deceitful life just to exist. So he says in verse number six, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. In fact, a, a very interesting study of this psalm is to look at those phrases. In fact, let's just take a moment to do so. In verse number four, he talks about, he delivered me from all my fears. In verse number six, he, he saved uh, him out of all his troubles. In verse number 17, he He says, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and deliver them out of all their troubles. He says in verse number 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So again, this man who puts his faith and trust in the Lord, the Lord's going to ultimately bring him deliverance. So he goes on in verse number seven, so in verse number six, this poor man cried, he's humbling himself before the Lord. He's broken. Uh, He talks about the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is a reference only used twice, used once in Psalm 34, used once in Psalm 35. In Psalm 35, the angel of the Lord, I believe both references are kind of a theophany of Jesus Christ. Uh, In Psalm 35, uh, he's punishing the wicked. And in Psalm 34, he's delivering the righteous. And so the Lord, uh, the angel of the Lord, can work on behalf of the righteous as he works against the wicked. It says, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great? Just stop and think about what this looks like. You know, it was common for Israel to encamp round about the Lord. Do you remember that picture back in the Old Testament? It would build that tabernacle right at the center. And then to the north, there were three tribes. To the west, there were three tribes. To the east, there was three tribes. To the south, the Lord was dwelling in the midst of His people. But in this verse, it says His people are in the midst of Him. He's encamping round about them that fear Him. So can you imagine the safety, the security there is for us as believers when we finally put our trust in the Lord and we're fearing him, not fearing man. We're putting our trust in the Lord and picture this. It's like the Lord's encamping around us. Now, now Israel chose some incredible places like Masada, and all of that. They found places like Jerusalem where they they limited the various ways that people could attack them. And they they made it that they'd have to at least come up this hill, and they couldn't attack us from this side. And Israel would find these incredible places to have have a fortress or a city built. Why was that? Because it kept them that they could keep the enemy at bay, and they knew they'd only have to protect one side or or maybe very, basically none at all because the enemies couldn't climb up the steep hills toward him. Masada's an incredible place like that. Uh, you might not like the incline to get up there. Uh, those who are faint of heart. Uh, but what an incredible place. I, you, you, if, how many of you have ever been to Masada there? It's a, like, who would ever build a city up here? The real question is, who would ever attack a city up there? So can you picture this? It's the Lord encamping round about us. Our safety is in this, knowing the Lord's on every side. There's not a side that Satan or anyone else can attack us because the Lord has us surrounded. He has us encompassed that He might... What a beautiful picture. So the Lord's encamped round about them that fear Him and He delivereth them. What's He delivering them from? Fear. Fear itself. Because when you recognize the Lord has you protected on every side, the fear dissipates. The peace of God begins to infiltrate your life. Because you know God is taking care of you. What a beautiful picture given to us. Here, the angel of the Lord. So it's not a host. It's just the Lord. And because of the Lord being omnipresent, because God being the incredible God that He is, the Lord doesn't need a whole host. He can have them. He uses them at times, but He doesn't need them. The Lord Himself can encamp you on every side deliver you from those fears so so he goes on to say then oh taste and see that the Lord is good so this is an encouragement to all David said finally I have focused on the Lord finally I've got my eyes off of Saul I've got my eyes off of Achish king of Gath I've got my eyes off of the other kings and my eyes are fixed on the Lord Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So I began to realize the fear of the Lord is not a cowering or a dreading that he is near. It actually brings peace. So it's got to be different than a fear of man. I've never feared man and been at peace. But when you fear the Lord, you'll find peace for your soul. So there's something different about the fear of God or the fear of the Lord versus the fear of man. Uh, I believe it was uh, Murray or Morgan or, or one of the men. Uh, no, it wasn't either. those. was Martin, one of the M's. Uh, Martin Luther, not king, uh, Martin Luther uh, said that the fear of man is not like, or the fear of the Lord is not like a prisoner fearing the tormentor. But he says it's a holy reverence for a God that you're in relationship with. And so he recognizes it's not a cowering from the Lord and afraid of what he'll do to you, The only time we as Christians may feel that is when we're guilty and when we know we've been living in sin and there may be a cowering from Him. But the Lord doesn't want it to be that way. He wants there to be a holy reverence for who He is. A respect. And David said, when I began to fear the Lord is when I began to put my trust in Him. Martin. Luther would go on to say, I found that my fear was I didn't want to dishonor him. My fear was I didn't want to disobey him. The fear was I didn't want to disappoint him or displease him because I so reverenced who he was. So David said, when I began to fear the Lord, that's when I truly began to put my trust in him because I recognized his greatness. He also would say later in verse number 11, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord. So someone that fears the Lord trusts him and someone that fears the Lord seeks him. What time I am afraid, I will trust in Him. And so this is the heart of someone who's fearing the Lord. It's not a cowering from Him. It's not a turning from Him. It's actually a running toward Him. It's not a terror of getting close to Him. It's a wanting to be close to Him. The only terror would be, oh, I do not want to disappoint Him. Well, I do not want to dishonor Him. Because he is worthy of all praise. So, David, I believe, in verses 7 through 11 is now going to change, where the change is going to be most notable in this psalm. Uh, Again, I believe when you go back to 1 Samuel, that change is happening in chapters 22 and 23 when he begins to handle life differently and he's getting a hold of the Lord. And I, I think probably getting a hold of the Lord in the hold there, verse 4 of chapter 22, and inquiring of the Lord, Lord, do you want me to do this? And then inquiring the Lord yet again, Lord, do you want me to do this? That's when he's getting hold of the Lord because now his eyes are on the Lord and not on the enemy. In fact, the enemy that he just fled from, he's about to attack because he knows the Lord wants him to he's no longer fearing Achish, king of Gath. He's no longer fearing the Philistines. Why is that? Because now he's got this holy dread of the Lord who is guiding him and moving him forward against the Philistines. Let's, let's continue to read this here. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, O fear the Lord... Ye as saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. So he's basically saying, as a Christian, it's our only option. Again, the fear of the man bringeth a snare, but the fear of the Lord bringeth deliverance. And he says, there is no want to them that fear him. Again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? I shall not want. Because we're in this holy relationship with him. And he's meeting our needs and he's fighting our battles and he's camping and camped around about us. He goes on that verse 10, which I read earlier, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. And the idea is the Lord's going to provide whatever they need. Again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's providing whatever I need, including the safety. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Those are all privileges, being one of the sheep of the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, folks, it's a real relief to know you don't have to be great when your God is. I remember I was thinking, you know, in your college days, you think, boy, I want to be great at this or I want to be great at that. And I remember one of the pastors preaching and he says, I always wanted to be a great pastor until I recognized God was the great shepherd of the sheep. And I just need to follow him. And he says the good minister will do these things, but in no place did it ever say this is what the great ministers do. Because, dear friend, there there is no likeness between the best of us and God. We don't have to be great when our God is great. We just have to rest in who he is. Those that are fearing him are not fearing others. Their eyes aren't upon others, and they're trusting in the Lord, and they're seeking the Lord. And this is what he's doing. He's taking care of their needs. And if there's any good thing that they need, he will provide it for them in his proper time. Verse number 11, come ye children. So notice now, David has really changed the tenor of his voice, so to speak. He has changed from talking about himself to encouraging others. He has found the Lord to be good. He has found the Lord to be merciful. He has found the Lord to be a deliverer. And so, again, he, he has an, a question, he has a beckon, he has an invitation come ye children. Hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Again, do you remember those that are gathered with him now? Those that have struggled through life? Those that really the only positive thing they have is a loyal spirit to David? Those that have very little to offer David but moral support? And David's glad to have them. Because he can teach them not to fear man, but to fear the Lord. And teach them that the Lord is encamped around about those that are fearing him. And the Lord is meeting the needs of those that are fearing him. So trust in the Lord and taste and see that the Lord is good. and, And seek ye the Lord. You know, the best thing that I could teach you in this message and from this passage is to fear the Lord. develop such a holy awe and respect of him that any man that seems to be rising up against you or any conflict that seems to be rising up to you looks so small. You know, there's a book out when when God is big and and man is small or something like that. I forget the title, but somehow when God's big in comparison. You know, God's got to get big in our eyes again. And when we see how holy and righteous and powerful God is, anything that man brings up against us will seem like nothing. In fact, he says he'll never forsake us that we might boldly say the Lord is my helper. I won't fear what man will do unto me. Why is that? Because God at that point looks so big and the enemy looks so small. Your friend, I would encourage you to enculture in, in your life a fear of the Lord, a holy respect for who He is. Study His nature. Study all the things that He could do. Study how wonderful He is. Study His forgiving spirit. Study the power that He has. I believe it is in, the, no, it's in Psalm 77, a psalm that I've been personally studying. It's going to be coming up in a future series here. Uh, Sunday evening series and uh, I've been just immersing myself and all of a sudden the psalmist says listen to the thunder and watch the water and and look at the seas and he says I see the power of God everywhere you know God has wanted his nature to get a hold of the mind of man and to bring us to himself but once you get to him don't get over what he does in nature he is still an incredible God what you need to do then is culture yourself and bring yourself back to that oasis of who God is and what He can do. And the fact, and just, just picture it. Maybe, maybe this week take a, you get into a trial and, and put a little dot in the center of the paper and then put, put me. And then draw a circle and put God. Because God's encamped round about them that fear Him. And recognize everything is on the outside of that circle. And it's only you and the Lord. If you have so struggle, struggle with fearing man, recognize the almighty power of God that is able to deliver you. Go back to this psalm. Look at how David says, uh, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How David encourages you to trust in the Lord. How David encourages you to seek the Lord and come ye and hearken unto Him. Do you know what? We can still listen to David. David's not done teaching. Because David's words are written down in the internal Word of God. Do you, remember? Do you realize how many people have learned from David. How many many of you, you learn from David, don't you? Most all of us, if we've been a Christian very long, have learned some valuable lesson from the life or a psalm of David. And so David is still teaching people to fear the Lord. Dear friend, the fear of man bringeth a snare. But the fear of the Lord bringeth deliverance. Oh, what peace and joy will be found in fearing and serving him. Again, I thought the fear of the Lord uh, comes in part by how you view God. But it also comes in part by how you view yourself. I found this as I was studying the fear of the Lord. Not only did my, the enemy things around me, and I don't know that I have personal enemies. If I do, I'm glad I don't really know about it. But, uh, but you know what? I, I found the enemy things around me get small, but also I got small. Because God got really big. And let me just encourage you, those of you who are going through struggles in life and maybe you're fearing something in your life, uh, recognize, boy, here I am and here God is all around me. And there's not going to be any good thing that I need that God won't provide for me. And God's going to take care of me. And now I'm going to have the freedom to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the ability to serve him with a whole heart. Oh, May we as Christians turn from having a fear of man to having a holy fear of the Lord. Let's pray. I hope there's something in this message that you could get a hold of in your Christian life. Maybe you don't feel like you have a fear of man, but there maybe is an area in your life that you have a fear. I hope maybe the idea of here I am as a Christian and the Lord is encamped round about me. That if I fear the Lord, it's not that I'm cowering from Him. I'm terrified of Him. Actually, I'm trusting Him, running to Him and seeking Him. And he's delivering me from all my fears. He's delivering me from the things that make me afraid. That only happens to those who trust him. Those who seek him. Those who fear him. Who may be willing to raise their hand through this preaching of this message. Maybe you've been fearful of something or some things in your life and Uh, You believe that there's a truth here that could be really delivering to your soul and give you a greater peace of mind and a peace of life. And you just say, Pastor, I've been battling some fears and this message, this passage has been helpful for me. What would you pray for me that I can go forward from this just with the raise of hand? Lord bless you. Wow, God bless you. God bless you. Your Father, you've seen the numerous hands that have been raised. Father, you know that We talked in the past about there there is a healthy kind of fear. There's fear that we develop in our children, and rightly so. But Father, when it comes to this fear of man, David had to shoulder everything. David had to come up with all these ways, and some of them didn't please you at all. But then as a poor man, he broke. He came and sought you, and you were found. And I just pray that you would help these people that have been struggling with some fear in their lives to see how holy and magnificent you are and the deliverer and the one that can not only deliver, deliver from trials but deliver good to us. May we be ready to see you work in our lives even so this week by fearing, trusting, and seeking you.